Me. Oh my god. Me first. What? <laughs> I was just gonna say I got pretzels yesterday and they were really good. Like soft pretzels? Yes. Mm, I do love soft. Yeah. I, I do love a good soft pretzel. I Blue Lake Tavern has some of the best soft pretzels Ooh, I've okay. ever had. Keep that in mind. They're two dollars a pretzel. Two dollars? Well, they're pretzel sticks. It's an appetizer. It's eight dollars for four pretzel sticks and oh. cheese. So basically, two dollars a pretzel. I feel like that's a good deal for like a soft pretzel. They're like sticks. They're not like a whole pretzel. Well, like probably a good size stick. And it's yeah. a good ass pretzel. Is it a good size stick? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a Is hearty that, stick. That's all I need. <laughs> That's a hearty stick. That's a hearty stick. Oh. <laughs> Tell us about number 19, Kennedy. I am trying. <laughs> it's talking about the history of Jerusalem. Up. My phone's not Did you find it? Yes, it is known as the number of surrender. Mm. I'm tired of these numbers telling gonna, everybody to give up. We're going to surrender our podcast. <laughs> surrender our podcast. Um, but it also is a virtuous number that means good news, brings good news. Oh. So something good's going to happen. To us again? I know we deserve it. We're so lucky. And this will take you to the beginning of something new. Perhaps episode 20. Mm-hmm. That's what 19 means. Well, cool. Thanks cool. for sharing. You're welcome. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> like, how I stopped and like, was like, she'll get it. Yeah, I, don't hear the, I don't know what those words were. <laughs> I was sorry, I just said them so confidently like they were yeah, words. You were like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want you to know after I finished that gibberish, I just looked at Michaela like your turn. <laughs> <sighs> she totally thought she said for an actual English. Um in this episode Of Instead of Sleeping. With Michaela Kennedy. Kennedy. I forgot my name first. It yeah. definitely sounds better to say Kennedy McKaylee. I anyway, just forgot my name. That's I just, like, I was talking, so I thought, like, you know, you usually say your own name first. Oh, you could have just said my name, and I could have said yours. <sighs> okay, let's try again. Okay. Instead of sleeping with Kennedy and McKaylee. Haha. <laughs> you don't know who's who. Fooled ya. <laughs> Fooled ya. Fooled. <laughs> oh, um, you look so silly right now. <laughs> you do. You should see your face. Um, <laughs> we are talking about celebrity true crime yeah basically because things, things that happen because or with involving celebrities mm -hmm. i can't speak things involving crime crime, crime involving <laughs> crime. celebrities celebrities of all sorts well i was like super excited because my my boyfriend the love of my life my partner in crime uh <laughs> Sorry, he's really into heavy metal music, so he was the one who had told me this So story funny, he doesn't look said like it. That. I know. Um, but he really wanted, he, like, was the first to be like, you guys should do this story. Oh, okay. And I had kind of heard about it and knew a little bit about it, but yeah. I didn't know too much, so it was kind of fun to re Okay, no, not fun. <laughs> Murder is never fun. But You've said it before, we'll say it again. It was interesting to yes. research, for sure. Okay. Makes sense. Checks out. Mm -hmm. So, Daryl Abbott, also known as Dimebag Daryl, this is a stage name. I want that name. <laughs> uh, you mean you can have it? Dimebag Kennedy doesn't fly. <laughs> doesn't Nickelback? No. 
And they said Nickelback. <laughs> Nickelback Kitty. That's what my friends call me. You're Gaby McKillen. <laughs> Gaby McKillen. Nickelback Kennedy. Uh, oh my god, that sounds like the world's worst gang. Mm-hmm. If you guys want a nickname, guess <laughs> let us know. Let us know. We'll help you out. Yeah, just send us your name and we're really good some at stuff it. about you. Um <laughs> Really good at it, obviously. We are. So, Dimebag, along with his brother, Vinny Paul, co-founded Pantera. Not sure if you've heard of them. but It they... sounds like Pandora, but also I feel like I've heard of the band. Um, or whatever it is. It does sound like Pandora, but <laughs> Pantera was one of the most successful and beloved heavy metal bands that were popular through the 80s and 90s. Dimebag played lead guitar for the band and along the way established himself as one of the metal of metal's greatest guitar wow of all time good job dimebag i know in 1986 <laughs> the band was looking for a new sound and replaced lead vocalist terry glaze with phil anselmo whose strong opinions would eventually lead to the band's dissolution in 2003 wow yes why did they just get rid of him um well he was the new guy so i know just get a new new guy well they all got in a fight i don't know oh you don't know beans are weird yeah that's why you don't befriend your bandmates <laughs> it's professional only <laughs> what's oh what's his wife's name i don't know i've never talked to that dude in my life his his brothers in the band don't befriend them <laughs> professional only the jonas brothers they don't even talk outside (laughs) press conferences i can guarantee it uh after the breakup there was a lot of conflict stirred up by the press that pitted the band members and one direction i know them (laughs) (laughs) sorry i actually do know all their names um i i don't but i know my names for them does that count no because i love one direction oh you do there is harry styles who um because he's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Peter Pan, nope. who's like the Irish... Irish Peter Pan, who's Niall Horan. Then there's um, that one guy that left, which is um, Zane Malik. Mm-hmm. Then there's um, that one, the other guy, Louis Tomlin? Thompson? Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. There's only four members, right? No, bitch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's only four. Liam Payne. Motherfucker. He's not. There is not. Yes. Liam. He, okay, there were five of them, and then Zane left, and guess what? He conveniently left when they released their fourth album, so their fourth album was just called Four, and there were only four of them left. So the feud escalated when the Abbott brothers announced their new group, Damage Plan. And in February of 2004, the band released a promising debut album and began touring across the U.S. before arriving 32 shows later at the El Rosa Villa Club in Columbus, Ohio. All right. And this is where it starts to get not Not so fun. Yeah. Okay. So that night, ex-Marine Nathan Gale attempted to board the Damage Plan tour bus before the show and failed. And uh, a little while later, within moments of the start of the damage plan set, Gail walked past a security guard who attempted to prevent him from getting in without a ticket, but failed. He made a beeline for the stage, drew a 9mm Beretta handgun, and shot Abbott, who was headbanging, completely unaware of what was happening, at least once in the forehead. They said, like, a witness said that he would just get so into the music that he was not 
aware at oh all. And gosh. I mean, obviously, it happens so fast. I mean, who's going to be like, I wonder if there's any guns in the audience? Well, me. no, this guy, like, literally... It, it was obvious. Oh. People saw him running up. And Why they did thought, anyone try to stop him? Because they didn't see the gun. They oh, thought, I was like, just tripping. Was it? Oh, he's just trying to get to the front? Like, because he, like, came in, walked past security yeah. without a ticket, and just beelined it oh. for the stage. Can you just imagine if someone had tripped them? Just, <laughs> hey, guy. I was here first. <laughs> Gosh, if, if this were today's, they don't let anyone up front. So, in the confusion that followed, Gail also shot and killed head of security, Jeffrey Thompson. And Al Rosa Villa staff member Aaron Hulk, who had struggled with Gale, who had both struggled with Gale in an attempt to disarm him, uh, which also allowed for the other musicians and concert goers to escape. Yeah. Wow. Uh, fan Nathan Bray was also killed when he heroically attempted to give Dimebag CPR. Mm-hmm. Um, the shooting spree also injured Damage Plan tour manager Chris Paluska and drum tech John Brooks. And. The quick actions of police officer James Nygemeyer put an end to the madness when he killed Gail with a single shotgun blast while the assailant was still holding another man hostage. He just, like, whipped out his gun. Damn! uh, That's a good shot. Damn! Most people wouldn't take that shot. Impressive. Yeah, what a guy. So, to this day, Gail's motives remain unclear. Some witnesses say they heard him shout, You broke up Pantera. But others couldn't make out what he said. Wow. I feel... Wow. <laughs> Could you imagine feeling so, so strongly about a band? That's... Like, obviously obviously, this guy was mentally disturbed. But, like, to feel so strong... I don't... Okay. I would never... Go postal. Gun, I would Joe never Bros. gun down Nick Jonas for breaking up the <laughs> Jonas Brothers. Okay. And I felt sp- pretty strongly about that. As a nine-year-old? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I have no idea. But I like how we're talking about my boyfriend who loves Pantera and heavy metal music, and then I'm over here like, <laughs> I love the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> okay, I love a lot of bands, nope. too. Just the Joe Bros. <laughs> Just. They're all I listen to. <laughs> Don't come to a party with me, because it's just that, and then my boyfriend plays Crazy Bitch. (laughs) But I will fight you if you say that, like, their new album is actually, like, pretty good for, like, leaving. Yeah. And, like, at the time, their audience being 12-year-old girls (laughs) to, like, coming back and playing for, like, older people. I do think their new music is pretty mature and good in that sense it's the similar. stuff that like their old stuff i literally just listened to because like i loved it when I, it's yeah. like nostalgic to listen to you yeah know? like hannah montana yeah it's like you <laughs> you get it, the best. it was never that good like um <laughs> oh, burning love <laughs> no 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 no. it's you mean, burning you say, up you say burning love did you get one of their songs wrong <laughs> are we friends what's the um but there's one no song. okay they, they were good but they were like it still would feel silly if that music came out now as a 24-year-old for me to be like, Yeah, this you, you, baby. Like, like, I <laughs> that love just it. seems like a mom dancing to that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm burning up for you, yeah. Joe. <laughs> like yeah. that, yeah. Like, I, they're, okay, I think they could even admit that. Like, it was good for the time and it was good for their audience. Yeah. But I, it's not, you know, I mean, it's yeah. the same, like, Aaron Carter's not going to come back, Jesse McCarthy's not going <laughs> to come back and play the same music that they, you know what I mean? They should. Um, but. Listen, no. music would be a lot better if they did. That's true. Music was way better. <laughs> I love that. Um, now it's just people trying to hit high notes and sing oh, about stupid love. Rude. Dumb. Um, what was I going to say, though? 
Oh, one of their songs, there's literally a line that says, next time I see you, I'm giving you a high five because hugs are overrated, <laughs> just FYI. So I'm just saying. Art. Okay. That's <laughs> genius. <laughs> I'm framing that and putting genius. it on It's oh. like, how do you reach that level? Peak artistry <laughs> and like just poeticness and just leave. Like, how do you put that down? Yeah, like. I don't- I didn't understand it. it I want to there to be a fake documentary about the Joe Rose at that time. If they like <laughs> evaluate it like it's freaking Shakespeare, be like, it's just, it's, just oh, it's beautiful. I just, I don't think the world will be the same after this. It's so funny. <laughs> and they're, they do have a documentary and a lot of like, they bash Disney, which is really funny. Because, Most people's like, stars do. Right. Except for Dylan and Cole Sprouse were basically like, no, like people got fucked up because they made those choices. We didn't. Right. But no, no, theirs doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with yeah. like being fucked up. They just said like, Disney kind of made them feel like they couldn't express themselves. Like, they were growing mm-hmm. up and they were changing, but, like, they were still trying to hold on to them being, like, Well, that's what they, little. Miley Cyrus said. Yeah. She's like, I only did that because I did, I hit, she, had like, didn't have an identity. Right. She grew up having two. Yeah. It was also rumored that Gail may have been in contact with Pantera singer Phil Anselmo, but the police found no evidence to support that theory. So people said that maybe he paid him to kill off you know because he was mad about the breakup and whatnot but there was no evidence to support that at all um bands don't last forever right gail was reportedly troubled but supposedly not prone to violence Um, i'm not prone to violence either that's what they'd say if i just stabbed you right now (laughs) just random she was never prone to to violence violence. well she obviously was (laughs) that was a violent act um so a little bit of like a background, uh, he was a, he enlisted in the Marines in 2002, but left for unknown reasons 18 months later. Hmm. Um, he also worked afterwards, like he worked construction sites, he worked in an oil change shop, and as a landscaper, just kind of floated around doing different things. Yeah. He also played offensive guard for Lima Thunder, which was a local semi-pro football team, which is weird to think about. I, I thought you were going to say offensive music. <laughs> He also played offensive music. Um, that kind of like, we think that led to this behavior. Yeah. <laughs> Video games the cause violence. Yeah, heavy metal music is bad for you. <laughs> I like that voice. <laughs> it is bad for you. Uh, but it was said he would often be found listening to Pantera while on the bus, so he was a big fan. Obviously. What do you listen to, Pantera? <laughs> That's all I listen to. It's the only thing I listen to besides the Jobers. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my only two. This is the only th- I listen to Pantera and I listen to the Jones Brothers. There's no in between. <laughs> a month prior, Gail had been arrested for driving with a suspended license, and by then his friends had told the Columbus Dispatch that Gail had changed. They said he was talking and laughing to himself and told a friend that Pantera had stolen his songs and that he was going to sue them. The laughing and talking to yourself. That that's one. That way. I already do that, but. <laughs> If I start saying I'm a famous band, it's still music, your song. that's, yeah, that's a whole And so, like, know. obviously, in conclusion, this man was just mentally disturbed and, for whatever reason, took it out on yeah. Abbott. I, like, yeah, so they say it could either be, I mean, you know, either he was upset about the breakup or he was upset that they're stealing his songs. I read another article that said that pantera was controlling he felt pantera was controlling his thoughts like just weird i don't this guy was messed up for sure but just weird yeah he that he took it out on abbott and yeah robbed the world of one of metal's greatest 
guitarists. So it was pretty sad. Yeah. Um, don't like that. Also, fun fact, not fun fact. Uh, that should also, be a thing. interesting fact. Fun fact, not fun fact. Because it's Every a fun single fact, time we have not, a fun fact, we have to go, it's not that Not fun, fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, eh, but Not it, fun, but it's a fact. <laughs> yeah. It was the 24th anniversary of John Lennon's murder. So that was also kind of weird. Weird. Just a little spooky. I don't know if that had any... Spooky. That is a fun, not fun fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's what I mean by yeah. fun. Not... It's like fun, but it's not that fun because but it's I fun murder. Like, yeah. So. And murder is never fun. Never, children. Okay. Just in case you're a child listening <laughs> to us. No, there are children. That was really <laughs> creepy. There are children. Silent. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was if you're, story. If you're a child listening to this, brush your teeth, floss the go ones to you want to keep, okay. go to bed. It's 2.30. Drink water. <laughs> what are you still doing what up? Are you still up? Is that cool? <laughs> Is that cool to stay up? Uh, Ouch, I just stabbed myself with a knife. Meanwhile, it's 2.30. Don't play with knives. Yeah, also don't play with knives. So yeah, that's the story. That's of, really um, interesting. Dime bag, which was pretty upsetting. Yeah. yeah. His brother was obviously very. I would be very upset. So was the metal community as a whole. Yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah, and I just think it's so crazy. I don't know, like that he he killed him on stage. Yeah, could you imagine being at a concert and someone kills the person you're there to see? Hard pass. No, that's I go to a lot of concerts. I don't go to concerts. That is, I think my count was up to like seventy five. I think I've been to something. I think like five concerts. That's it's one of my favorite things in the world. I so like that's... outdoor concerts in really small venues. Have you been to the intersection in Grand Rapids? I have not. I really like it. It's like but one my room. My favorite venue, um, not too well, whatever. We live in Michigan, so Van Andel, um, because it is big enough for big artists to come. Yeah, but it's small enough that no matter where you sit, you're always close. Yeah, makes sense. So it's really nice. Like Kenny Chesney. Usually only... I know I just said I don't really listen to country music. I used to really... But I gotta I used, go catch Kenny Chesney. Yeah, I used to religiously listen to country music, and I have definitely fallen off that wagon. No, but Kenny Chesney is, like, one of the greats. Like, even if you don't really like country music, like, you gotta go see him most people can see Kenny Chesney. Anyway, I went to see him. He usually only plays really big, obviously. Like, he'll sell out Ford Field. It's, yeah. He usually plays at Ford Field. That's, like, yeah. his place to go when he comes to Detroit. But this last tour, he made, like, this announcement that he wanted to go to smaller venues to be closer to his fans and whatnot. And so he went to Van Andel, and I was like, there's no way I'm not seeing him. And it was so cool, because you just felt really close. Where Ford Field, I saw Taylor Swift there once when I was, like, I don't know, in high school. Like, I don't know. Anyway, she was, like, the size of an ant. I mean, it was so bad. I would never see a concert there. I saw um, Carrie Underwood, I think, at Van Andel. Is that the one in Grand Rapids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like Noblesville. There's, like, a, um outdoor one in Noblesville that I really like. Oh, that's pretty cool. I saw Panic! at the Disco there. They were really good. And oh, Weezer. And I felt high the entire time. <laughs> and I wasn't. It was weird. I was not. I was not high. It's funny. But it's not like pie and there was a light show. And I was like... <laughs> it was just a lot going on. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Do you know who Dorothy Arnold is? I do not. Not the actress, the other one. No. Okay. Well, she was the daughter of a rich, affluent importer 
She was born in Manhattan on July 1st, 1885. Mm. It's an oldie. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's an old story. So most people probably don't know her, but in her day, she was a celebrity. <laughs> she was amazing. Uh, she wanted to be a writer, but her writings kept getting denied, and her family wasn't really supportive of her being a writer, mm -hmm. and they kind of made fun of her for it, is what I read. Oh. Yeah. On December 12th, 1910, when she was 25 years old, she told a friend sh that she had seen while shopping that she was going to walk through Central Park and then go home, but she never came home. Oh, no. Where did she go? <laughs> Where did she go from? Where, Where did, did she go? go? Uh, in Jacqueline Davies' book, the novel Lost in 2009, she combines the disappearance of Dorothy Arnold with the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. Durleith and Lovecraft's Lurker at the Threshold have mentioned Dorothy's disappearance. On December 12th, 1910, Dorothy told her mom... Do I say Dorothy weird? Um, no. Sorry, okay. I just, I don't know why I thought I said it weird. I'm trying to think of how they say it in um, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> That's I think that's Judy Garland. That's like that's, that's the only way you can say it. Honestly. Yeah. On December twelfth, nineteen ten, Dorothy told her mom that she was going dress shopping for something to wear to her sister Marjorie's debutante party. Mm. I've always wanted to go to a debutante party. I'm at a debutante party. Can um you hold a debutante for um Margot? Yes. Thank you. Can cool. I be invited? Uh, yes. I can make macaroon macaroons. <laughs> That'll Fair. really be fancy. Yeah. I can make creme brulee macaroons. So, um, oh, she left the house around 11 a.m. She left home with about 25 to $30, which today would be 650 to $800. Holy crap. How'd you have that much on your person? <laughs> well, she was rich. Mm. It was nothing to her. It was, it was packaging. Yeah. She walked from 79th Street to Park and Tifford on the corner of 5th Avenue and 27th Street. There, she purchased half a pound of chocolates on my kind company of girl. <laughs> on her family credit. <laughs> my kind of girl, not even her own. And then she went to Brenatos Brenatos hmm. bookstore, where she bought engaged girl sketches, also on family credit. <laughs> Both has six hundred dollars <laughs> in her pocket. Is using that's for the dress, McKaylee. <laughs> Both the clerks said that she was acting normal, nothing out of the ordinary. Outside, she ran into her friend Gladys King, and they spoke of the debutante party. And Dorothy goes, oh, I have your RSVP with me. I don't even have to mail it. And Gladys is like, oh, thank you. I'm assuming <laughs> I'm that's I'm sure that's exactly again. how the conversation went. Yeah. <laughs> I could be a socialite. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know how to do the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> She's also throwing her hair, tossing her hair back as she... Yeah, does. both sides. Yeah. One flip, two flip. <laughs> and you let the hair come forward on the other side oh, again. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had a teacher that actually laughed like, oh. And oh, she God. like threw her hair back when she did, but not with her hands. It was just short <laughs> enough that she'd go, oh. And you're like, we, we heard her do that once. We all just were like, I'm what? scared. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Gladys said that Dorothy seemed fine. Didn't she seemed to be in good spirits even? Mm -hmm. um, and then they parted. She said she was meeting her mother for lunch at the Waldorf Astoria. Then she turned around to say goodbye. Oh, I forgot to mention something. Oops. Mm. Dorothy told her at that point that she was thinking about walking home through Central Park before returning home. 
Okay, I think I mentioned that. That never sounds like a good idea. To walk in the middle in the middle of the day. Oh, it's two thirty in the middle of the day. Oh, yeah. And so she turned around to wave goodbye, and the last time she saw Dorothy was shortly before two p.m. while on Twenty Seventh Street. Dorothy never returned home or contacted her family, which they said was very strange. So they began calling Dorothy's friends. After midnight on December 13th, Elsie Henry called back to see if Dorothy had returned. And Dorothy's mother, Mary, told her that Dorothy had in fact returned, but they couldn't couldn't speak with her because Dorothy had gone to bed with a headache. Hmm. The Arnolds didn't report Dorothy's disappearance for a few weeks. And by few, I mean six weeks. Because <laughs> by few I mean six. So a little over a month and a half. Uh, because they thought it would be socially embarrassing for them. Hmm. Uh, the morning after her disappearance, though, they did contact a family friend and lawyer, John Keith. He searched Arnold's bedroom, and the only things the only thing missing were the clothes she'd worn. I don't know why he knew that. Keith seems like a bit of a creepy. Yeah. Had he been hanging out there before? <laughs> Why are you hanging out in Dorothy's room so much, <laughs> He also found personal letters with foreign postmarks on them. He found two folds folders for transatlantic steamliners. It's before airplanes. <laughs> Just to clarify. Back when they took boats <laughs> and burned papers in the fireplace, which happened to be Dorothy's rejected manuscripts that she had submitted at one point. Aww. So Keith, after his sleuthing, mm-hmm. decided to go one step further. He contacted jails, hospitals, and morgues in New York City, Philadelphia, and Boston, but found nothing. At this point, he said, hey, you guys should hire the Pinkerton investigators to figure this out. Listen, I'm not that good at my job, so you should hire these guys. They're He's not a really detective. Good. He's just a family friend that's a lawyer. Oh, I thought I said. Oh, I thought you said family friend and detective. No, he just was a lawyer and just liked to do some. Sl- <laughs> He's like, I can figure this out. Yeah, that's a little weird. That's me. <laughs> no, 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 don't call the cops. I got this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have, a, I have a true crime podcast. I got this. <laughs> listen, listen. Okay, so the Pinkerton investigators searched hospitals and places Dorothy frequented. I want them on my side. Mm-hmm. They'd also questioned their friends and former classmates, but found nothing. The investigation. The investigators theorized that Dorothy had met a man and then eloped to Europe, which would explain the steamliner folders mm-hmm. and the foreign postmarks. Uh, but they didn't find any names resembling Dorothy's in the marriage books. They had agents abroad check steamliners, and they found several women matching Dorothy's description, but they never found her. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Keith and the investigators convinced Dorothy's father to call the police. They're like, I think it's time. Yeah, it's been about two years. Um. <laughs> yeah, dude, I know you're in the hospital because, like, you super old. <laughs> Daughter's still missing. They advised Francis, the father, to hold a press conference just to let everyone know. Mm-hmm. And on January 25th, 1911, Francis informed people that his daughter disappeared and offered a $1,000 reward which today would be $27,000 for information leading to her whereabouts. Reporters asked Francis if maybe Dorothy ran away because he didn't allow her to date. I would run away too. They don't support her um, (laughs) writing. writing. They're like, you can't date. Don't let her date. Then Francis was like, no, she could date. And he said, I would have been glad to see her associate with more young men than she did, especially some young men of brains and position, one whose profession or business would keep him occupied. I don't approve of young men with nothing to do. 
Me too, Francis. They're up to no good, those those young men. That means they're probably doing my daughter. <laughs> they're either doing business or doing daughters. Those young men. Those are the only two things they know how to do. Listen, where else can you get these quality, quality catchphrases? <laughs> Apparently, when he had said that, he was actually, like, upset about uh, George Griscom Jr., who Dorothy was romantically involved with. Junior was a 42-year-old engineer, yeah, big age gap, Wow, who came from a wealthy family. Dorothy had lied on September in 1910, saying she was visiting a former classmate when really she had spent the week in a hotel with Junior, which she paid for with jewels she had pawned. What? Dorothy, Dorothy, also, Dorothy. <laughs> back in that day, if a man was not married by 42, I feel like he probably was not a very young... I mean, uh, but also staying with a man you're not married to a week in a hotel seems very yeah. scandalous yeah. in the day. Well, for sure. Even now, people will be like, why did you steal your family's jewels and stay in a hotel? <laughs> a little steal weird. Steal your family's jewels. <laughs> the family jewels. Despite being forbid from continuing the relationship, Dorothy still saw Junior. And the last time they saw each other was in November when Junior went on vacation with his family. Uh, so Dorothy's family wrote to him on December 16th while in Florence, Italy. And Junior was like, um, I don't know where she is. I didn't even know she was missing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so then Mary and Dorothy's brother John went to Italy to interrogate Junior in February of 1911. Junior maintained that he had no information, but the staff said they'd seen a veiled woman who a veiled woman who appeared agitated and it may have been Dorothy. Hmm. Uh, they demanded that Junior give them all the letters from Dorothy and John read them and said that he didn't think there was anything important, but then he destroyed all the letters. Hmm. Seems, hmm. Suspicious. Seems suspicious. That does not come up again. I just wanted to share it because I thought that was suspicious. Yeah. Nothing important to see here. Yeah. Let me throw that in the fire. He's <laughs> like, I don't like those letters. Bad grammar. So, oh, when Junior returned to America, he told reporters that he'd wanted to marry Dorothy, but Dorothy had said she wouldn't marry him without her mother's approval, which she would never get. Junior spent thousands of dollars in ads for Dorothy to come home. Remember, $1,000 was $27,000. Spent thousands Jesus. for her to come home. By the end of January 1911, police believed Dorothy was alive and that she would return of her own volition. She just walk in one day. <laughs> Francis told the police he believed Dorothy had been attacked and killed and that her body had been thrown in the reservoir. He had two clothes, but he, clues to why he thought this, but he never disclosed them. So he's like, I know it, baby. He's like, listen, I just know. Okay, I know what I know. Number, clue number one. And that's all intuition. you Intuition. <laughs> clue number two. Brains. <laughs> but they dismissed this theory as it was 21 degrees in New York the days leading up to Dorothy's disappearance and the reservoir would have been frozen. Mm. They did check the park. There was no evidence of her. There was no body in the reservoir in spring when it thought. So, following the announcement of her disappearance, police distributed her picture, physical description, and info about the rewards around the United States, Canada, and Mexico. New York Times covered the story almost daily. The publicity of the event obviously led to a ton of fake calls. Mm -hmm. They also received two ransom notes from kidnappers demanding upwards of $5,000 or $135,000 today. These were both hoaxes. 
a shop. No, good for those people for trying, though. <laughs> they're like, we might like, get it. Oh, we need a fast way to make some money. <laughs> Here we kill your daughter. <laughs> a shop. No, it's not even, they don't even actually, they're too lazy to actually, like, Kidnap. do the kidnapping. <laughs> they just claim someone else's kidnapping. Someone else is, like, sending ransom notes. You're like, ooh, well, we gotta get out of this. <laughs> oh, kidnapping. That's a crime we didn't think of. Hmm. <laughs> We're idiots. A shop owner claimed he had spotted Dorothy buying men's clothes for a disguise, and then she inquired about steamer fare. Um, in addition to sightings in Italy, it was reported she'd been seen in Chile and several other countries. Wow. And she was also obviously reported being seen all over the United States. Like, mm. it was wild. Early, that usually happens. Yeah. <laughs> Early February 1911, Francis received a signed postcard from New York City with a note saying, I am safe. They matched the handwriting to Dorothy's, but Frances mm. believed someone had copied her handwriting from the news. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, a jeweler in San Francisco, California, claimed that to have seen Dorothy when she asked him to engrave a wedding ring on July- January 7th. She asked it to say, to AJA from ERB December 10th, 1910, which is the date of her disappearance. Yeah. All of this shortly after that, uh, police announced that they were going to stop investigating the disappearance, believing that she was now dead. Uh, they continued to investigate reports of her sightings, but never turned up anything. Mm-hmm. So here are some theories. Whoa. Do you want to throw yours out? Do you have one? Um, I kind of like I kind of like the theory that she like got married and ran off Just with someone. Left, yeah. I mean, her family sounds like they kind of suck. <laughs> Rich. Now we're the... <laughs> I mean, she got $600 on her already. <laughs> I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> what else she, do you need? She's writing letters. Be like, your daughter's just like letters of information to catch her so she can collect money and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, she's the one. Like, I have your daughter at ransom. So one theory is that Dorothy had slipped and went to the hospital with amnesia, uh, but there was no one matching her description in hospitals. Some believe she had been ab- drugged and abducted, but uh, they thought it was unlikely as she had been last seen in a busy street in New York the middle of the day. Yeah. But people knew her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, originally when you said that, I thought she was, like, walking through Central Park at night. night. I was like, well, that sounds Obviously, like a recipe yeah. for a disaster. <laughs> um, Junior theorized that Dorothy had committed suicide over her failed writing career and said that she had alluded to it when she wrote him, saying, Well, it has come back. And the clures has turned me down. Failure stares me in the face. All I can see ahead is a long road with no turning. Mother will always think an accident has happened. That's weird. That's creepy. Friends and family members also thought it was a suicide, but they thought it was because of a failing relationship with Junior. Hmm. Which is weird, considering he wanted to marry her and published published ads worth $27,000. Did he say he published these ads, or did people actually... He actually, it was confirmed he was actually publishing these. Because I was saying, weird that her family is saying... Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> committed suicide because of him, what? and he's junior suicide because of the writing. Mm. They're blaming each other. <laughs> Look over there. Uh, some believe Dorothy was actually pregnant and had gone for an abortion, mm-hmm. but died during the procedure and was secretly buried and cremated. Mm-hmm. This gained credibility when in April 1916, an illegal clinic being run in the basement of a home in Bellevue, Pennsylvania, was raided. The house later became known as the House of Mystery after numerous women went missing after visiting. Weird. Dr. H.E. Lutz, who worked there, had testified that Dorothy died there after experiencing complications and her body was burned in the furnace. Francis thought the story was ridiculous and untrue. Mm. Sounds like this guy just does not want to believe anything. <laughs> Francis is like, no. 
Yo, she was murdered. Yeah. Her body gone. That's it. Bottom line. <laughs> nothing else. Nothing fishy. Um, Edward Glenoris. So in April of 1916, a convicted felon, Edward Glenoris, in prison for extortion at the time, claimed to a warden that he had been paid $250 at that time to bury the body of a young woman in December of 1910. He said he'd been hired by little Louie. That's not his real name. <laughs> to do, huh. huh. Weird. Well, little Louie, I know him. Uh, to drive the woman from New Rochelle, New York, to West Point, New York. Glenora said they met two men, one of them named Doc, and the other one he described as a wealthy and well-dressed man that matched Junior's description. Hmm. Physical description. Suspicious. Uh, yeah. Little Louie and Glenoris placed an unconscious woman in their car and drove to Weehawken, New Jersey. Uh, little Louis told Glenoris that her name was Dorothy Arnold. He said he recognized a ring on Dorothy's left hand that matched a description of a ring she owned. Doc met them in New Jersey, informed the men that Dorothy had died during a home operation there, and that they needed to take her back to New Rochelle. So they took her, wrapped in a sheet, then buried her in a cellar in like a home there so after they started questioning him about this he denied knowing anything they were talking about and was just acting confused and they excavated several cellars and they didn't find anything hmm. so those are the theories weird mm -hmm. after her dis after disappearance sightings from around the country were reported they went and looked at them all proven false the family continued to receive letters from women complaining to claiming to be Dorothy, but they were all proven false. One letter came from California claiming to be living as Ella Nevins in L.A. On April 8, 1921, Captain John H. Aris of the Bureau of Missing Persons claimed that her fate had been known by the family and the Bureau for a while, but then he refused to elaborate on what he was talking about. The next day, he it's was so like... cryptic. <laughs> yeah. like, we knew her fate been known for a while <laughs> but then the next day he said he'd been misquoted interesting mm -hmm. so francis had spent around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is over six million today oh my trying God. to find her wow he must love her yeah but he won't follow up any theories <laughs> but, yeah but he doesn't believe anything yeah. actually happened to her um he believed that she had been murdered and when he died on April 6, 1922, he didn't leave her any money in his will, saying that he was satisfied that she was not alive. Like, he was, like, he's like, he came to terms with that. Mm -hmm. Her mother, Mary, did not share that opinion and believed that she was still out there alive somewhere. Hmm. After Mary's death on December 29, 1928, Keith stated he believed Dorothy had committed suicide because of her failed writing career. Wow. It's weird, like, how different all the theories are, too. Yeah, it's not like... Oh, it could have been this guy, or it could have been this guy. It's like, yeah. it could have been an abortion. Or, like, something, been. yeah, it's like, or it's not, like, all related. Like, oh, she ran off and got married, and she had a baby, and she ran off and got married. She, it's not, like, little variations. Yeah, They're all, like, like, completely wild, different yeah. theories. And they don't know. Like, they have nothing. It's not even, like, they have a clue. Though. That's insane. Yeah. That's pretty spooky. The story of Dorothy Arnold. I think disappearances sometimes get me more, though. Disappear because I, like, I've said this before, people just don't disappear without a trace they right. just don't like there, like this there's gotta be something someone knows something mm -hmm. someone had to unless she you're that unless you disappear yourself unless you're that good 
and <laughs> at, like faking like I'm gone I'm leaving now mm-hmm. I always think sometimes I'm like this is what I do if I disappear I've told oh, you some before I thought you were gonna no I'm not gonna share them. I've told you some <laughs> of them before I tell people different things of what's gonna happen like oh, I'm yeah. gonna leave this behind so like there's multiple things I'm gonna mm-hmm. leave behind so if I choose to disappear you'll know but I tell everyone something so that if only one of those shows up you're connected okay but I also want people to be like, what the damn hell is going on with this shit? <laughs> but yeah. Wow, yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a... Very weird. Yeah. Very, very weird. Unsettling and weird. Yeah. But that is celebrity true crimes for you guys. Yes. And there are actually quite a few. There are a lot. I saw some. I was like, oh my god. Oh my god. I saw one about someone. I almost did this when she faked her own disappearance. Or faked her own kidnapping. Oh, and I was like, "Ooh, there wasn't a lot on it." Is oh, why, I did, and I didn't feel like trying to find more in this, right. this morning. Yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, it was funny because I was trying to think of other topics, so I was just scrolling through. Like, I just typed in like true crime. <laughs> just, it was like, what yeah. it? And there was a podcast that came up that said, "Who killed Marilyn Monroe?" And I was like, "Who Marilyn? did Carol?" <laughs> I was like, "Marilyn Monroe was killed." <laughs> And then I was like, oh, that's what we should do. <laughs> Celebrities. That makes sense. That's why that's the idea why was here. born. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you know of a celebrity, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> if you know any celebrities, give if us their number. If you know the Joe Bros. <laughs> oh, God. You just stop. If you know the Dead. Jonas Brothers, hit me up. Um, We're kind of tight. It's fine. Yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm on it's Nick's cool. Instagram, so it's okay. <laughs> Kaylee adds Nick Jonas. No, I'm on his Instagram. <laughs> No, no, I know you are, but do you, because you said that you did that when you first got a Twitter, you added the Jonas Brothers? Like, you're like, I'm so excited to see the Jonas Brothers, and you like, I don't know. Oh, no, so- no, no, that was to Zach Efron. Oh, Zach Efron, sorry. When I was like, so excited to see your movie yeah. tonight, Zach, and someone was like, <laughs> McKaylee just trying to casually tweet Zach Efron. I didn't know how Twitter works, okay? I still don't. I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably do it. I at NASA all the time. I was sitting there, and I was like, I don't respond. who are you talking about? No. Zach Efron. I'm sorry. very into him, too, so. <laughs> super, super fan, super fan. Um, anyways. Go check us out. Go check out our social media mm-hmm. with Nick Jonas's. Um, instead of sleeping podcast, you can yeah, find if us. If you look at Nick Jonas's Instagram, you uh, can see McKaylee. <laughs> we prefer you to look at ours, though. It's pretty great. We have polls. Do we? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We do. No, I said, oh. do we prefer that? Yes, we do. Instagram, Twitter, Kennedy Facebook. Might. Don't listen to McKaylee. She's <laughs> lame. Um, but you can find all of them on our website instead of sleepingpodcast.wordpress.com. I'm really proud of my website. Go check it out. You can email us from it. You say that every time. Because I'm really proud of it. I made a website. I think they get the point. Some, my mom's proud of my accomplishments, unlike I'm, Ma- you, McKaylee. I'm not saying I'm not proud, but email you us say it at, every time. You know, I'm sure you have nothing to be proud of. Anyone like, to go look at the website. I'm sorry you're not proud of our website like I am. And email us at instead of sleeping I mean, podcast at gmail.com. I made a pretty good website back in high school. Well, do you want to promote your high school website? McKaylee at Weebly. <laughs> dot Weebly.com. Okay, so. go check out McKaylee's website. Actually, is that real? I want to see if that's really it. It's pretty bad. Well, mine's good. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Bye-bye. <laughs>